0: Hello and welcome to episode 123 of the Waters Wavelength Podcast. I am Anthony Malikian, U.S. Editor of Waters, and I'm joined by James Rundle, our news editor. Was it too difficult to say 123? I wanted to switch it up, man. 123, 123 you got to <laughs> spice up yeah, the life a little bit, you know? Um, so just a bit, we're going to bring on Wei Shen Wang, uh, our Asia editor, and she's going to discuss the dispute that's, uh, I guess, raging between the Singapore Exchange and India's National Stock Exchange over index licensing. A raging uh, debate. Raging <laughs> debate. She's been covering the issue very, very closely, as closely as anyone. So um, we'll be bringing her on. And this is me editorializing a bit, but I think that this is a conversation that, even if you know nothing about the SGX, NSC, and India's basic data pullback, um, this conversation should be of interest to everyone as we kind of see this wave of protectionism sweeping across Europe and uh, here in the U.S. And as that kind of starts to seep into the capital markets, these precedents that are going to be set uh, in courtrooms around the world, even though they don't necessarily have jurisdiction across the globe, but these will be used certainly um, in other cases, as Wei Shen will discuss. Mm-hmm. And even if you don't care about all that, if this uh, if this all stands as it is, this will be a major blow to foreign investors looking to enter the Indian equity index market. So, well, I mean, foreign investors who don't want to do it through Indian exchanges. Sure, so of course, yeah. 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 Uh, uh, but that you want the efficiencies of going through the SGX, basically, yeah, essentially. is what yeah. you want. So, it's definitely worth listening to. Um, but before that, uh, the European regulator, ESMA, has come down on reporting platforms, saying that the data that they make available to the public is often not exactly in line with what they wanted when they wrote MIFID 2. James is going to give us a little bit of background here. James, why don't yeah. kind of tell us what the problem is here?
1: It's uh, more problems with APAs, which is kind of a bread and butter this year, actually, since MIFID 2 went live. So the idea um, in MIFID 2 was that uh, everyone would report their trade and transaction reports to platforms like approved publication arrangements, APAs, to... Uh, consolidated tape providers to trading venues and then in the interest of transparency these guys would then make that data available to the public so you can see what's going on inside the markets and everything else. Um, It's not really turned out that way I mean (laughs) as you might have suspected um, a lot of these guys it's okay some APAs have been doing it Um, they've been doing it well Uh, they've been putting the data online leaving it up for at least 24 hours some APAs have been putting it up as like a static image and leaving it up for a few seconds. Um, some APAs have been publishing it only through Bloomberg terminals, which means that obviously if you don't have a $20,000 subscription, you can't access it. Um, some APAs have just dumped it all and, and you have to search ice by buy to find what you want on it. Yeah. Um, and essentially, Esma's just said, look, stop playing silly buggers. Now, this is the letter of the law, but it's not necessarily in the spirit of the law. Do you,
0: so, do you have an understanding of what they would like to, what they want them to do, what they're asking them to do?
1: Yeah, so ESMA um, updated its, q- so there's three levels of rulemaking in European law, essentially. There's a level one text, which is uh, drawn up by the Commission, and then there's a level two, which is the technical standards, and then there's something called level three, which is kind of the um, after-the-fact updates to, um, to legislation that's done through Q&A. So ESMA updated its q and A's on MIFIA and MIFIA 2 earlier this week. Um, and included a section on this where they are quite actually. I've no, I don't think I've ever seen one that's quite as specific that has been done on this. Saying, look, we are aware of what's going on here. They actually listed examples of APAs putting up images, putting through Bloomberg terminals, all the rest of it, and okay. said we don't want you to do the same. Well. We put these rules out. You understand what they mean. Like even if they're not written to minute detail, you know what we want from you. Uh-huh. So we're saying we want to data up for at least twenty four hours. We want the data to be published um, in an equivalent means to how commercial data would be published. So, as in like a pipe that you can take the data from. Um, we don't want it to be in images. We don't consider that acceptable. And everything else, um, sort it out essentially mm-hmm. um, immediately. So. And
0: so some APAs are doing this correctly, but are I guess for the ones that are pushing back, you know, what are they saying?
1: Well, I guess yeah. I mean, some APAs are doing it. Adequately, I don't think anyone's it's doing adequately. it sort of correctly as such. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the usual stuff in there. They're saying, oh, well, you know, this is a low-margin business for us. It might push us out of the market altogether. There'll be some consolidation between APAs. Um, a lot of the APAs kind of held the hands of, yeah, okay, fine, we'll comply. No worries. A um, couple of interesting ones, though. So we spoke to um, Next Group, uh, which used to be a buy Financial. Um, it's now Next Regulatory Reporting. Uh, a fellow called Mark Kelly there, um, very smart. And he actually said that, you know there are some unintended consequences of this, so some of the ways that APAs used to do it, which is you could search by ISOM, was actually valuable for your smaller shops and your day traders and stuff, you might be interested in like specific instruments, mm-hmm. so they could look on that and they could search it and they could get that price information for the last 24 hours, download it into a CSV file, analyse it. Now Esma's saying you've got to do it in a one-size-fits-all way, you've got to make it a pipe, you've got to take all that data in and ingest it, and he's saying that some of the less sophisticated guys you know, might not have either the the technical now to do it or the specialist tools required to do it. So it might not actually be to the benefit of all end users putting it this way, but then, you know, it swings around, but that's what you going to do. you yeah. let people continue posting JPEGs of stuff or, you know, going from there. Yeah.
0: And then as far as our politicians getting involved in this are or market participants, what's kind of their dog in this fight?
1: Yeah, so uh, we've, we're publishing a story on this today, Thursday. Um, I guess this is going live on Friday, so it should yeah. be up on the website by then. Um, so we spoke to a couple of MEPs, Marcus Ferber, um, who is the vice chair of the Committee on Economic and Monetary Affairs, uh, he said that pretty much what we've just said, he's like, you know, he welcomes this, it should make things more transparent and easier. He was quite sort of critical, saying these guys were maybe publishing to the letter of the law, but not necessarily a spirits and that kind mm-hmm. of thing as well. Uh, a couple of market participants I spoke to, um, you know, one guy who's an operations executive just went, yeah, yeah, this is Esma essentially telling everyone to stop playing silly buggers. Um, and I was just like, okay, great. Uh, and he said, look, at the end of the day, these guys will try and get away with whatever they can because sure. it's not profitable for them. Like, there's no commercial interest in them making this data available for free. So why would they invest time and money in having people sort of, you know, cleaning it, putting it in like its categorized ways and everything else? Um, but he said, you know, Esma's made it very clear what they expect now, and uh, there wasn't a time frame, but you expect Esma this being guidance for a regulation been announced as January 3rd saying do it now kind of thing. Um, is
0: there something fair to be said that this is regulation working well in some ways in that you right, put out the guidelines you have the deadline everybody starts to hit to it then you usually have about a good, you know, amount of time that people actually have to go through this. They mm. try and get away with some stuff, push back, that's their job, you
1: yeah. know, as, as a market participant, as the regulated to push back. Well, yeah, I mean, we, we, we approached a dozen APAs for comment on this, and the ones who did respond to, which were very few, said that, you know, the regulation was written so loosely that we had to kind of come up with our best guesses of what ESMA wanted. I don't think that anyone on their right mind means put up a jpeg um but uh hey if you gotta yeah, try, and get, you it, try right? and get away with it um i did ask esmer and i i, I got in touch with them and I said uh, look you know so when do you expect people to do this and also "Did you anticipate this when you wrote the rules do you expect that people would be doing these wildly divergent ways of doing it um as of now they have not responded to me so <laughs> <laughs> okay
0: well and so that might change this story is going to be going up thursday afternoon eastern time mm-hmm. um but by the time that this is live we will have a link to it and you can read the full and unencumbered story there yes um all right so that's good stuff uh it's just, just a reminder i'm going to be speaking with Wei shen in just a moment here and again we're going to be talking about the uh, singapore exchange and uh, national stock exchange the fight that they're having over uh, equity indexes there and equity inequity indexes but uh, Waters Rankings are open for voting yep. so just really quickly yeah, you know, we'll put a link up there if you're an end user just go through there's like 30 somewhat categories or something like that just go through pick your favourites or if you have no say in it just skip that you don't have to answer every single one
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but yeah so this is open for another couple of weeks so we, we definitely want to hear from you just so that we know who you guys think are the best players in the market
1: yeah exactly I mean we can pontificate all we want but you're the guys who are actually using the software so it's Immensely valuable to have your input on this, even if, as you say, you only answer a few questions. Mm-hmm. Alright, so next up, Wei Shen dials in from Hong Kong
0: to talk about the latest developments in the fight between uh, the SGX and India's NSC, Ooh. and uh, James will be back next week with uh, me. Yeah. Uh, who knows what we'll
1: be talking yeah. about. Well, maybe we'll be an award-winning podcast at that point, because it's today. That's it's right, oh, that's right. We'll, we'll find yeah. out, yes. We're not going to be. <laughs> <laughs> Alright,
0: here's Wei Shen. All right. As promised, our guest this week is Wei Shen Wong, Waters Technologies Editor in Asia. How are you, Wei Shen?
2: Hello. I'm good, thank you. How are you?
0: I can't complain. You know, it's a muggy day here in uh, in New York, but you're in Hong Kong, so I guess it's probably a little bit more humid over there.
2: Um, way more. It's uh, and I just Google this for you. It's 89.6 Fahrenheit at the moment. Ooh, geez.
0: Um, it's only geez. 65 degrees yeah. over here, so. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I don't know what that is, by the way.
0: <laughs> it's it's a lot. It's a beautiful day, basically, as far as temperature over here is basically what I'm saying.
2: Well, the thing is, it's it's been really beautiful here too. I mean, like, I mean, sitting at the office, uh, well, earlier, um, it just looked really nice to be outside. But I mm-hmm. mean, the sky was really blue, and it just looked so tempting, but so hot outside, just so so hot.
0: <laughs> well, speaking of hot, things are heating up in Asia here. Right, Wei Shen? Was that a good uh, transition?
2: Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> so, uh,
0: Wei Shen has been covering the row between SGX and NSC very closely uh, for the May issue of Waters. She wrote a fairly long feature explaining the rift that has developed in Asia following India's decision uh, through its market regulator, the Securities and Exchange Board of India, or SEBI, um, when uh, they asked India's three main exchanges to terminate their existing market data licensing agreements with foreign partners. And she's followed that up mm-hmm. with a few other articles on the subject. So I figure, you know, who best to give us a skinny Denway Shen? so... Maybe take us through the origins for those that don't know about what's going on over there. How did this whole thing start?
2: Okay, so just as a background, I suppose uh, India, India, and S J. Sorry, NFD and S J X has had a long-term relationship. I think almost reaching uh, two decades. So, and and S uh, J X has the Nifty, Nifty index. Um, uh, SGX version of their contracts listed on SGX. So, on the 5th of February this year, SGX uh, decided to launch single stock futures contracts on mm-hmm. the top 50 Indian stocks, to which the NSC actually thought to delay this year, coming up to say, you know, uh, you know, this, this move would actually uh, shift liquidity away from India's markets. But SGX went ahead anyway and did it uh so then just um four days later when Sebi together with the three indian exchanges in which is the nfc the bombay stock exchange of india and the metropolitan stock exchange mm-hmm. of india um so together they both they did sorry not, not both but the three of them said that um, yeah, we're going to be pulling the data licenses of, uh, you know, uh, to foreign exchange partners and to other foreign data providers as well. So mm-hmm. it's not only the SGX that was going to um, be, be uh, impacted by this. So this would mean that the SGX Nifty 50 contracts would cease to exist in August. And uh, in, in between then, think nothing was really done. The single stock futures... Future contracts were still going ahead because I think if if uh, I'm not mistaken there they were using settlement prices, the um, so end of day prices for that instead of real time data. Mm-hmm. So just two months down the line, two months yeah April, uh, there was a lot of speculation on what SGX would do. You know post post what uh, the NSC pulled, mm-hmm. and a lot of people speculated. A lot of the the, the uh, yes, yeah. the founders that I spoke to, some of them said that, well, this is just one way for India to, or for the NSA to, to ask or to increase their their fees for uh, the, the license, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, I still don't know if that's going to turn out, but or whether the, uh, at the moment he feels the same way that he did uh, back then. But anyway, on the 11th of April... The S J X announced that they they were going to be oh, sorry, sorry they are going to be launching new Indian equity derivatives uh, contract, supposedly on the fourth of June, okay. and this would allow, in their words, allow investors to seamlessly transition their current Indian management exposure. The immediate reaction from India was uh, a little bit muted. There was not much said because uh, they said they were oh, they were checking on the the technicalities of uh, what s is trying to do. So these new contracts essentially were not, um, are are also using, and we're were supposed to be using end-of-day data, so Mm -hmm. reference prices, settlement prices of some of the uh, indices in in India. Um, It it was only about two weeks later, which was on the 20 20 second or 24, yeah, 20 second, I think, that NSC took it to court, Mm-hmm. So they they filed. Uh, they applied for an interim injunction with the Bombay High Court to delay the launch the launch of this new features that XJ is going to do? And now, and now it, it, it's it's getting a little bit messy because <laughs> the, the the judge could not. Uh, I mean, they, they couldn't come to a conclusion, and the judge basically has now said like, okay, look, you guys go go ahead and you need to go for. Carry out to um, find, find a solution via arbitration, and so the, the injunction still applies, and will continue to apply up until a solution or a, a result is, uh, comes out from the from the arbitration process, which uh, at this point we don't know when that is. Okay. Uh, but in in a in a short summary, is like a short summary
0: of, of all that, that has happened so far. <laughs> okay. So, and as, you know, reading your article, as I understand, I guess, the the main point of contention, so the NSC is following its regulators' orders here in some ways, and what they're saying is that the SGX is violating intellectual property law. Is that, uh, is that correct to say? Is that kind of the main point of contention here in this injunction? Yes. So, and you wrote in a, an article on May 24th, it said that the SGX and NC showdown, it could have roots in a prior suit um, that happened here in the United States. Uh, maybe explain a little bit about that.
2: Yeah, so sometime back in 2002, the New York Mercantile Exchange, or um, NYMEX, they sued Intercontinental Exchange, or, well, ICE, for using settlement prices in its OTC versus contracts. So NYMEX, was, uh, Nymex then claimed, uh, you know, that it, it held copyrights in individual settlement prices, and ICE using it was uh, misusing, essentially misusing trademarks for its swap contracts. But also, ICE had referenced Nymex as the exclusive source of settlement prices for um, certain energy futures contracts. Mm-hmm. So okay. what happened in that case was that the ruling judge basically terminated the lawsuit. And said that that Nymex's uh, settlement prices were not copyrightable by law, um, and which meant that ICE had not infringed on any copyright or trademark um, in referencing Nymex publicly available settlement prices.
0: So, am I then correct in understanding that the that they're going to go that this arbitration process is going to go through? And I'm reading this from a. Excuse me, from a Reuters report, but that they're going to try to resolve this issue by June 16th. Is that consistent with what your with your understanding of it?
2: Yes, which is obviously past the date that SGX wanted to launch their futures. I mean, the new futures contracts. Sure. Is, uh, I mean, next Monday on the 4th of June. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. And then I guess taking a step back here. Is it, from what you understand from the people you speak with, is it fair to say that this initial, that the initial decision by the SEBI to pull back its data, that this was, in part, motivated by, you know, I'll use the word protectionism that we've seen sweep across uh, Europe and the U.S. Um, and now you have um, India's Prime Minister uh, Narendra uh, Modi is up for re-election next year. Is it, do you kind of view this as being? more, or not you necessarily, but the people you speak with, is this more politically motivated or is it something maybe more tied to the fact that there's, that the market is hurting and they feel that by keeping this data and rather than sourcing it out, that it will be bringing more liquidity to them?
2: I've actually heard both of those points made, but mm-hmm. more, I mean, it, it, it seems to be heavier on on the latter, so not really so much as a political move. Although, um, I suppose maybe N- N- uh, Narendra um, could could actually use this to his benefit. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how because the thing is, it seems like it's what India is doing at the moment it seems to be a, a little bit counterintuitive for what it really wants to achieve, mm-hmm. which is bringing liquidity back. I mean, there are a lot of different factors that are playing into this registering to, to be an investor in India is not an easy task. It could take up six months to even open an account to be able to trade, which is one of the reasons why, I mean, one of the, uh, some of the sources that have been speaking say be that a lot of a lot of investors just choose to go buy offshore.
0: No, And that makes sense. So I guess that that's kind of the... That basically, what's the push-pull of this is India is hoping to bring in liquidity, but the reason why people have gone through the SGX, through why foreign investors have gone through the SGX to enter the Indian market is that it's just—is it fair to say that they're just kind of efficiencies? It's easier to go through SGX and rather than trying to register through India directly. Is that—is that kind of—is that the whole reason why people? why foreign investors at least are worried about this move, that it will make it more difficult for them to enter the uh, Indian marketplace. And then as such, the unintended consequence for India is that, you know, that foreign investors just will say, okay, we're just not going to, we're not, we're not going to register in India either. So we're just going to try and find other avenues in Asia to invest our money. I guess, is that kind of the unintended consequence? Is that what what the foreign investors are most concerned about there?
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, exactly that. Oh, I nailed it. Go me. <laughs> <laughs>
2: you did. <laughs> <laughs> all right.
0: Well, I've been reading all your stories, so I think I have a firm understanding. And we will obviously uh, link to uh, all these features um, uh, and articles uh, that Wei Shan's written. I guess so. Now going forward just if people are going to keep an eye on this or start paying attention, the next big thing will be to see what happens in this arbitration hearing. Is that fair enough? And maybe what, what I guess, is the next step that, that's going to happen here?
2: Yeah, I think I think all, all eyes at the moment are just on the arbitration process. But also, previously, SJX had actually come out to say that they wanted to... They want to work... They want to continue working with the NFC, you know, in their, their gift cities, which mm-hmm. is... A, how do I explain it? It's like an offshore but onshore uh, <laughs> trading uh, marketplace. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, it's, a, it's a big mix like that, and um, even some some people that I spoke with uh, are still uh, a little bit um, what is the word skeptical? Yes,
0: mm-hmm.
2: skeptical uh, about about the uh, the real reason why uh, India is starting up this city. But anyway, they were supposed to help bring or help. Um, cultivate, I suppose, or help grow liquidity in India through that. But because of the arbitration process and because both parties can come to an agreement on anything at the moment, that is, seems to be, you know, being put on the back burner for now. Or maybe, I mean, some some articles that I've seen online as well have said that, you know, talks are just uh, breaking down. It's not going to happen. Yeah but we'll just have to wait and see at this point, I think. Okay.
0: Very good. But, well, <laughs> <laughs> what's
2: that? is not the only one. So, like, the MSCI... Okay.
0: Have,
2: um, yeah, the MSCI has, has the label. I mean, when... Uh, at first, then, uh, when India... The the three Indian exchanges came out to the pull their data licenses away, MSCI issued a statement saying that this move is seen as anti-competitive, and they basically—it seems like they threatened, threatened India, you know, in, in terms of like uh, we might change your rating, mm-hmm. uh, your country's rating, and we might cap the rate, uh, cap the weightage of your, um, your your exposure on our in our in our indices. So they still don't. They still are of that view, and they, they have just issued a statement, I think, a couple, uh, yesterday, or today, Thursday, right? Like, yeah, yesterday, <laughs> saying that they will cap it.
0: Saying that they will cap it? Yes,
2: yeah, they will cap
0: it. Okay. So, and, and then, so, it's SGX, MSCI, any other uh, players that are also voicing their opinions here? Or are those the two biggest ones? Uh,
2: no. Uh, th- those are the two main ones, yeah. Okay. Very good.
0: Well, so we'll be keeping an eye on this, Wei Shen. We'll be keeping an eye and c- continue reporting on this. Just um, uh, so since we don't have James here with us, since it's just easier to do a call with Hong Kong um, rather than on a speakerphone, we have to do this uh, via landlines. So I'd speak with Wei Shen about
2: Where is James anyway? <laughs> what's that? Where is James anyway?
0: He's just in the other room. He's working on a story right now. We we had a lead in with uh, James, and he's going to talk about uh what was he talking about he was talking about esma and uh apa data i don't know something i I listened to it just now but i uh, yeah who knows i just whenever james starts talking about regulation my eyes just roll into the back of my head and that's that (laughs) (laughs) so for a fun topic today summer summer things summer plans you know what's going on so Wei Shen, for you what does summer mean what do you got planned for this summer
2: um. Well, the thing is, I think Hong Kong actually is summer pretty much all year round, except for a couple of months. But mm-hmm. Maybe um, <laughs> I don't know, two or two or three months. This year we had a really nice winter. I mean, it was actually cold. <laughs> but yeah, so we usually go on uh, this what we call junk boats, uh, yeah. basically boat parties. So uh, I went on one last. Saturday, and it was really nice that it was super hot, uh, which was not great. I got burned. Um, And yeah, I just had loads of drinks and swim and see some water spots.
0: Yeah. It is funny. Maybe I'm wrong about this, but you know, in New York City, there's not like there's a lot of public transit and stuff like that on the East River and Hudson River. But there's not a lot of people going out. Like no one goes out on the. the I mean, these rivers are disgusting. You know, we're, I'm not sure if it's still considered a river at this <laughs> point when we get down there, but they're just disgusting bodies of water with all the toxic dumpage that has happened uh, through shipping. Oh. But um, it does seem like in Hong Kong that they take much more advantage of public use, I guess, of the water. Is that fair enough to say?
2: Public use of the water? That's a, that's a really interesting way of putting it.
0: Well, um, yeah. going out and just, so rather than just using it as a commuting lane, you know, to go out and actually go out and drink and have a good time, you know?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, like, you, you can tie your boat to go out on a fishing trip as well or you can try to, uh, an even smaller boat. So, like, the, the boat I was on um, last Saturday, we had about 40, 40 people on it. Mm-hmm. So you can hire smaller ones or even bigger ones if you want to. It just depends how much you want to eat. Well,
0: that sounds fun.
2: And most of the time, I mean, drinks and food, all included.
0: Now see, now, now, now you sold me. Now I'm in.
2: Yeah, you've got to come, but you got to be ready to face the heat as well.
0: <laughs> I mean, I'm Armenian, so the sun never, really, you know, I don't get burned or anything like that. You know, Armenian and Sicilian, so you it's on uh, well I'm, on top. of My bald head, my bald head burns to a crisp every single time, first time out in the sun. But then after that, it's uh, it's usually pretty okay.
2: <laughs> I don't, I don't actually think it's going to be the sun alone. Though. It's just, it's, it's hot. It's extremely humid. It can get hard to breathe sometimes.
0: Oh, yeah, I mean, like I said, one day when I come out there, you know, in the future, once they finally decide to send me out there, uh, we will, uh, you will show me around, but I do want to come out during the summertime when we can take it, because I do want to go on these, because I was actually reading an article about these, what do you call them, jump boats, or whatever they're called? Yeah, junk, junk boats. Junk or jump?
2: Junk, like a junk bond. Yeah, uh, I
0: don't
2: know why I thought about bond, but yeah, <laughs> junk.
0: <laughs> well, we cover finance, so yeah, it makes sense. Very good, and... uh <laughs> Yeah, I got I got no plans. Like I was just I'm gonna be traveling to Rhode Island to Buffalo Niagara area for a wedding, um, and down to Carolina to visit family. But I'll be honest with you, when the summer comes, you know, for me it's about barbecues. It's just you know going outside, having mm. some friends over, cooking up some meat, drinking some beer, smoking some cigars. But that's I, like some people they love to travel and do all these things, and I'm just like. No, it's just lovely weather. I'd just rather sit outside, you know, after a long cold winter, just just relaxing in my outside in my home.
2: That sounds nice. Yeah,
0: exactly. Barbecues
2: here. I mean, it's just so hot,
0: though.
2: We <laughs> would <laughs> <laughs> like to have like a place where you can uh, actually take shelter at the same time in an air-conditioned room.
0: Well, that's the thing. Yeah, you know, you have somebody outside that's just, you know, on the grill that gets to come inside, but then everybody else just kind of stays inside. And then when it's up, well, the best is actually just barbecuing at night. Like I don't know if you're allowed to do that and if if there are ordinances in Hong Kong, but that's the best. Is like, you know, nine, ten o'clock. That's when you get everybody over, and then you know, from like ten o'clock to two a.m. just barbecuing. Fortunately, I have neighbors that don't. You know, that they've amazingly, in the 13 years I've been living here in Williamsburg, have never called the cops on us. So uh, we're allowed to get away with that. <laughs> so, Wei Shen, thanks uh, for calling in. Um, we will be, again, uh, we look forward to seeing your continued content on this and other topics. But uh, if you want to follow her, we will link to the articles and we will link to her Twitter feed. Um, and you can follow her that way. But, uh, Wei Shen, thanks for calling in. Thanks,